Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is Ryan Gilkerson, and um, we are just meeting kind of in real time, and I think you all are really going to just enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much, Ryan, for being here today. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak with you. I'm so happy and I don't even a thousand like I don't have anything prepared to talk through because I think it's just going to bubble up like super organically which I'm really stoked about but so you you know full transparency you work for Hubbard Mm -hmm. right Um, and Hubbard has been so grateful uh, so grateful so gracious (laughs) uh, and you know donating the studio space and just and, and really helping us kind of push this podcast forward but A.D. Roundtree, who works KC Mornings, um, his episode, I guess, came out and you were talking to A.D. And then next thing I know, you emailed me and said, hey, I want to be on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you. You're here yeah, for me. I saw so. his and I, I reached out to him because I was as a veteran also. I was like, thank you so much for like, I'm so grateful to work with someone like you. Like what you said is spot on. And I'm glad that you heard him out and held on to it. And he was like, actually, I'm going to put you in contact with these people. I think you need to do this also. And I was like, okay, I'm here for the ride. That's amazing. So, okay. So you said as a veteran also. So just to be clear, so you are a veteran of? Marine Corps. The Marine Corps. So let's go back to the beginning. Did you always want to be a Marine? Like, that seems scary to me, <laughs> especially as a woman. I mean, maybe that's terrible, but... No, it's. I think it's very Were you fair. in, like, I, ROTC and I all wasn't. this stuff? So okay. my father was in the Marine Corps, oh. and I was actually born outside of Quantico, which is, like, the Marine Corps headquarters. Yes! And in then, Virginia, right? Yes. Okay. I was born right outside of Quantico. And so we would go back, we moved back here, and then we would, oh, go visit Quantico when we'd go visit, like, some of my mom's family. And then my dad would always want to go to Quantico and to, like, the little town there. So I was around it all the time. And then in... Um, Is it like the TV show or not anything like I've it? Not, I've watched the TV okay. show. It so was I like, a, it was, I think that specifically was, like, about the FBI. But... I, I think it is a little bit because the FBI is there. Yeah. And um, the battalion that I actually supported wasn't too far from there because was an intelligence so it kind of is you were an in intelligence oh my gosh this but is if so you cool. go to the old town it is um very old school yeah. uniform shops and stuff Whoa. like that and that's where we would go to to visit and whatnot we didn't go on base too much because my dad had since gotten out right but we'd go visit all the time so i like grew up around it we went and saw like the sunset parade with the silent drill team and stuff. Like these Ooh. were family vacations. <laughs> cool. And uh then it wasn't cool it, I mean, it was. It, it was. was cool. It was normal to me. Now I kind of laugh at it because I've joined and served, and I'm like, oh wow, we're ridiculous. But <laughs> I know how much it, might, it means to my dad. But, um, but it was just normal for us, and we loved it. It was part of our family. And then my older brother, I think I was in tenth grade. Um, he ended up enlisting, and that was something like it surprised all of us. And we're like, oh no, good for you. And he enlisted and went to the Marine Corps, and we went to his boot camp graduation. And so there's two boot camps for the Marine Corps. There's one in San Diego and one in Paris Island, South Carolina. Split down the Mississippi River, depending on which side you are. And this, at least at this time, it's different. It's all integrated now. Okay. But um, before it was males on either side of the Mississippi River went to that respected boot camp. All the women go to Paris Island. 
Oh. So since my brother enlisted in Virginia, he went to Paris Island. And so we drove out to his boot camp graduation. He had a sister company that was graduating at the same time. And I'm watching all of these women. And I was like, I said something to my dad. I was like, I could do this. And he's like, that's all. My dad does not play when it comes to the Marine Corps. That is very much something to be earned. He's like, well, then do it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm in 10th grade. We'll come back yeah, to that. Right. <laughs> let's let's circle back, Dad. <laughs> and then I saw, um, we went to a band, like a military band performance that night. And whenever they play the military hymns, you stand up for your branch. Mm-hmm. And the Marine Corps played, and my dad stood up, and I knew then that someday I wanted to stand up next to my dad when it played. And then an older woman, a couple rows in front of me, stood up. And I was like, I want to be a part of that sisterhood. Stop. And so kind of after that, I was sold on it. I didn't do anything for a couple of years. And then towards the end of my senior year, I was like, no, this is what I want to do. And wow, head in. <laughs> so I just, I, this has nothing to do with prevented. I'm just curious. Is recruiting as intense as I've heard it is? Like meaning like that they come out to your school and they're real. Yes. they really like, once you're kind of, once they know that you're serious, they're, you're it, like, they're on it and they're sort of with you yes. every step of the way yes. to make sure that that happens. Yes. I had full, like, I was seeing my recruiter weekly until I left. Did um, you, do you think that that was helpful? Like a, a beneficial experience? I think it was. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak for other branches, mm-hmm. but I just knowing how demanding Marine Corps boot camp is to have that constant, like we were working out. I understood. He you, trained you on the, like, the basic knowledge you needed to know for boot camp. Oh, so that you weren't just like, what is going running on? Running into okay. it and like things that they're going to teach you in boot camp, but let's teach you now so you're not overwhelmed when you get there. Hmm. And so it was a lot of things like that. It was actually very helpful. But they still come to the schools. My school, actually, it's required to take the ASVAB. Wow. Just like any other uh-huh. state testing, you had a whole day where you sat down and had to take the ASVAB. Really? So it's still, yeah. And the ASVAB, for those people who are listening, is kind of like the military entrance SAT. exam. Yes, yeah, exactly. it's like the ACT or SAT And it was for the required? Military. At my school, yeah. So how did your friends think? Like, what did they think about this? Like, when you told them after you described this experience, right, where you're in 10th grade. Like, I never really talked about oh, it. Oh, okay. So I was just like, hey, guys. So you know how I've not applied to college because I didn't know I was supposed to do it last spring? Now it's March. <laughs> They're like, oh, we just thought you wanted to take a gap year. And then, like, like, I was going to college, like, as in my senior year also. So it's like, oh, we just thought you were going to go finish out like your associates at Mac and at the like community college and then figure it out. And I was like, well, that was kind of my backup plan. I was like, but I went, I enlisted in the Marine Corps because I went to the recruiter and then like on a Tuesday and then that Thursday was going to MEPS. I dove right in. And they, everyone, it was very mixed. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends who knew me very well were like, that makes sense. Yeah. My cheerleading coach looked at me she goes, that makes sense. And I was like, oh, okay. That, you're the last person I expected to say that, but okay. You're like, thank you, question mark? Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm going to take that as a compliment mm-hmm, and run with mm-hmm. it. And then, um, but then some of my friends were like, are you sure about this? Are you really sure about this? And I was like, I will regret it for the rest of my life if I don't do it. So right. we're doing it now. Huh. So you get to boot camp and did all of the sessions with the recruitment 
recruiter like prepare you or was there still a moment of what the hell am I doing? Oh, it there's still a moment of what the hell am I doing? That's inevitable. I it's can't even you, imagine. Like I'm trying to wrap they, my brain around it. They, and you um so you don't have a phone or anything. It's very like you don't have a phone the whole time. I left my phone with my parents. And this was like give me like help me time frame. Um I left October two thousand and eleven for boot camp. For boot camp. For boot okay. camp. I left October sixteenth. Okay, so and you go there, you got no phone. They put you on a, you get on your flights. I had also never flown before, so I'm figuring out flights <laughs> to boot camp. Oh okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we had, we were on this little plane and there was a storm. It was, that was yeah, you're terror. like, oh my God, I'm this like, is if I make bomba, this, what's I'm happening? Right, okay. and, uh, but then they put you on a bus and make you put your head down. And I'd already been out to Paris Island, so I knew it was isolated. And they drive around to disorient you and it's dark and they pull up to the depot oh my God. Okay. and it, it's mind games from the get-go right and right. um you pull up to the depot and a drill instructor gets on the bus and it's go on wow go and it doesn't stop for three months <laughs> wow okay and so because this is where you're at, there are other women there too. Yes. At the time that I went through boot camp, it was strictly separated. So I had a women filled company. And then my platoon, there was 80 women. And then we had a sister platoon that was also 80 women. That was our company. So, and then it was just 4th Battalion, all women. And we were completely separate, except for a couple classes with the men. Was there ever a moment during? boot camp where you said what the hell am I doing like is it too late to pull out like to back out I think that more than the recruiter knowing my dad and the lessons he taught me I had more of like a focus and like this is just their job Mm. this is Mm. there's a reason behind everything they're doing none of this is personal and just keeping that level-headed mindset like I was very fortunate in that aspect but definitely that first week everyone is having that moment of what in the world have mm-hmm. I decided upon? Mm-hmm. You don't sleep for the first three days. You're running around getting gear and uniforms and doing everything. So it's really like that first before you get start training, training, where you're just, you have more time to think and you're sleep deprived. And it's that first jolt of you're here now, buddy. <laughs> and like, that's really where I think everyone's just like, what have I done? Mm. And there's no getting out of it. And I feel, though, like the bonds, at least this is what I've heard, the bonds that you make there are pretty intense and carry. And I would imagine it's different even with women than men, right? So could you talk a little bit about that? You know, the drill instructors are there to train you and everything. And the women that I had leading me and teaching me, they made it very clear to us and important to us this is the only time you're going to be around all your sisters like this, to be around this many sisters. Mm-hmm. When you guys go out to the fleet, there's going to be at most maybe eight of you to a unit. Like you're not going to have your sisters the way you have your sisters right now. And you need to value that. And so we really did all bond. We didn't take the time for granted, I think. Hmm. And you... Even people that I might not talk, I haven't talked to in years. Like there was a girl that I finished the Crucible, which is our last big hike and event where you become a Marine. Well, that sounds intense. (laughs) (laughs) They're very good at naming things. Um, But it's like the very last thing. And, you know, I did this in January. So it was cold as can be. And you're just to have a sleeping bag. And 
we had the same like fire like watch shift and then sleep shift because it was so cold we like bundled together yeah we're gonna finish this in 24 hours we're gonna be back in the barracks and we're gonna be marines and we have that moment and her and i are still like facebook friends Mm -hmm. and like every once in a while talk and i know that if i ever needed anything or if she ever Mm -hmm. needed anything we'd be there for each other and we may not keep up on every life event but i remember that moment and how special it was and would still do anything for her should she ever need it you know so it's a very different type of bond mm-hmm. like you don't need all the upkeep right it's the only way not right. to put it, it. no you i get have it. it you yeah. have it it's there it's solid it's my kind of friendship Same. I know. especially <laughs> well i mean moving so much absolutely yeah. it's like if i need people that are going to be there for me good or bad mm-hmm. and I will do the same for you I might not be able to be there for every birthday and anniversary and, that, and whatnot yeah and that and, has to be okay right right, right. Yeah. and that's that's the kind of bond you have with those people hmm. for sure so you leave boot camp and then you get you go to more stationed or you, you go, go to, to more, train? more training <laughs> okay okay <laughs> if you're not in infantry you go to combat training for a month and you were in combat training yes that's the thing about being the Marines is, you know, everyone is, right. everyone's ready. Everyone's, a, every Marine is a rifleman. That's you're their like saying. You're like a badass. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> I've learned not to brush that off. Thank you. Yes, and embrace you it. are welcome. Um, so you go, if you're not in infantry, then you do like a uh, a shorter version of combat training. So it's a month long. Okay. And then you go to a schoolhouse to learn um, your job in the Marine Corps. So that's when I went to school for intelligence. So did you pick that where you like, I, did. I want to do intelligence? I did. So at the time, did you ever hear about the lioness program? I don't think it so. was um, it was the women that they started integrating with uh, infantrymen oh. and while they were deployed be- to respect customs. Huh. If they needed to search women, they started oh, interesting. It was the lioness okay. program. They started integrating these women with infantrymen so they could search women and interact with native women and and such Hmm. um so Hmm. i was like that's what i want to do because i was very very gung-ho when i first enlisted i was like that's what i want to do i want to be a part of that and i talked to my recruiter and i was like which which jobs do they most likely choose from from for that and he said well intelligence is one of them and he's like you have the scores for it and i said let's go because also i was like okay i can get choose for that and my dad was an infantryman and the only thing he harped on me about was to do a job you can do when you get out right that makes sense even if it's something you want to do for a career my dad was injured so he got to get out sooner mm-hmm. he's like that's if this is something you do for a career that's great but if you have to get out against your wishes like something life happens yeah do a job you can do on the that outside makes sense. and that so makes it's sense. like intelligence yeah. here we go and okay. so off so, I went. <laughs> so off you go and so so I would assume that mental health in the boot camp, being isolated from family, and even though you have the sisterhood you're describing, but then going to another new place, and it's pretty intense, like... It was very... Yeah, talk a little bit about that. It was very odd for me. You know, I was very fortunate when I was younger to have... A very stable home parents that loved me supported me and so when I went to boot camp and then came back and then I went to combat training and they send you straight to school and I'm carrying all of my life mm-hmm. in these two sea bags and a duffel bag and then I live in Florida for a bit for school 
and then I'm going to visit home before I go off to my station. And I realized at that point, that was when it really hit me. I was like, I don't have a home right now. Mm. My entire life is in these two bags. I don't have a place to call home. And it really was something I was not used to or accustomed to in any way. And I'm very close to my family. So getting used to not seeing my mom every day, not seeing my younger brother's you know, accomplishments in school and being there for band performances. It was very, very hard. And it was hard for me to learn how to keep up communication mm. while being away. I would go days or weeks without talking to my family when I had such a close relationship with them because I yeah. just didn't know how to maintain it and live the life the Marine Corps needed for me at the time. So it was right. very, very hard to learn how to navigate those things while I'm also trying to learn how to navigate the military. Right. And it took a lot of time and practice for me to find that balance. I don't know how to ask this question, so I'm just going to ask it. That's fine. Did you feel safe? Because I I know what I watch and I know what I read And I used to work in sexual assault education, and we did a lot of work around military and making it comfortable for people, men and women, to speak up without fear of, you know, retaliation, either by higher-ups or by your counterparts. And then on the flip side, too, even if you're dating a person who's in the military that's a gross generalization but you know sometimes they've seen so much and they've been through so much that they have a hard time like taking that hat off and so it makes interpersonal relationships difficult so I guess I go back to my original question which is did you feel safe as a woman in the Marine Corps there was a point that I realized I didn't for like the earlier years I genuinely believed that I was naive because I was used to the Marine Corps being my family and growing up around the people that I did and the idea of a brotherhood the way that it affected my dad and my brother and the other men in my life and the brotherhood that they knew and that's the mindset I went in with and after a few years and a few instances I realized that it wasn't entirely safe. And I went from talking to young women that wanted to enlist and encouraging them like wholeheartedly, it's great, to being like, if this is what you want, I understand that, but here's something else you need to understand. It's the reality of being a woman in the military. And it's men also. But, Correct, yeah. But um, it's definitely, there were a couple instances where I was like, I it's not entirely safe. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely a brotherhood. They don't entirely see me as their sister in arms. And I have to accept that kind of to survive. Mm-hmm. That sounds drastic, but if you're going to make it, you have to be realistic. Right. So, right. It was a slow turn, like shift in my mindset, but it definitely happened at some point, like midway through my enlistment. So, and we talked very briefly uh, um, before we started recording about kind of a, I'll say, high profile case that's been 
you know, in the news more here recently because it's resulting in some policy shifts, thankfully. And um, I think maybe some changes in the way that things are being addressed and how swiftly they're being addressed or maybe the fact that they're being addressed at all. So could you talk a little bit about that? So in 2020, I heard about this um, soldier that had gone missing, Vanessa Guillen. And at this time, I had been out of the military for four years. So you were in the military, just to interrupt you, from 2011, 2010 or 2011 to 2016, 2016. October to October. Okay. Yeah. okay. And so this was summer of 2020. Um, I heard about this young soldier was missing, and her name's Vanessa Guillen. And as more details of the case came out, it was apparent that she had reported a fellow soldier for um, sexual harassment in different incidences. Um, And later they found her body not to be too gruesome um mm-hmm. but she was it, all of it came to light that she was murdered by the person she had made the allegations against because the way sometimes it can work with military reporting it's someone in your command whenever i was in it's someone in your company is assigned to go to training to be the sexual assault person mm-hmm. so if you have something to report you go to this person yes and it's just maybe a sergeant or a staff sergeant from your unit that just got chosen for the billet. That has a little bit of extra training. That went to a seminar for, I don't yeah. I don't know if it's a day or a week. I, I don't remember, but it's just mm-hmm. someone there like, you deserve a billet. It'll look good on your promotion paperwork. You go to this class. And so I don't know exactly how it transpired with Vanessa Guillen's instant, but the... Um, the person that she had made the allegations against ultimately and we have like the um the trials happen and everything killed her mm-hmm. because of it and then he ended up killing himself before he could be brought to justice but when i saw that case it brought up a lot of trauma for me that i hadn't fully addressed in myself Mm -hmm. and so I'm reading these I the first time that I read it I bawled my eyes out because I just felt heartbroken for my sister that had the courage to stand up for herself and it got her killed Mm -hmm. and I realized I was having a lot of these emotions and like these reactions and I was like I don't fully understand it and I reflected on some things that had happened to me while I was in the military and had to start validating them for myself as Mm. this may not look like X, Y, and Z, or so-and-so story, but it's still valid And it's your story. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, well, it wasn't as bad as this, or it wasn't as bad as what happened to someone else, so I should be thankful. But after hearing her story and the courage that she had to share, like, she was trying to seek out justice, Mm -hmm. I was like, I have to, I owe that to myself and owe that to sisters like that to take care of myself and to tell my story and so I started to see seek out therapy and the first thing the first therapist I talked to I've talked to a couple now um the first therapist I talked to when she sat me down she goes okay so have you ever experienced MST military sexual trauma first question out the gate wow it's really 
out the gate, waiting in. And my husband appropriately. At the same, my husband at the same time was seeking out therapy because he's he was also a marine and oh. he um, he deployed and stuff. So we were both like, let's let's work on these You're things like, together. Yeah, okay, we yeah. we've got some so stuff. He, we, we, we have got some, some, we got some, some things we to got work some on. Trauma maybe to and work that's exactly on. Exactly, kind of. We were yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> and so he was kind of. Re- I was like, did you get asked this? And he's like no not at all and just to be clear he has mst also and they never asked him about it so you can kind of see right. the discrepancies on both sides but that was the first thing she asked me and had a stack of paperwork for me oh. concerning it and i was like how is this you have a woman come in for therapy through the va and you're ready for it but we're doing nothing else proactively while they're in the service to protect them mm. And so with everything with Vanessa Guillen and then that and just realizing, so you guys are aware that there's a severe problem. Enough that it's the first question you're asking me right after my name. And you have a stack of printables ready for me to seek out help, which I'm thankful for. Yeah, sure. Oh, no, for sure. They actually, I've had a great time with the VA in the path that they've led me on in the therapy I'm in now. But just the discrepancy of... When you're in, when you need to be protected, when there's people like Vanessa Guillen that have lost their lives because of the way that the reporting is handled. But now Mm -hmm. I'm out and I'm safe. Yeah. Now you want to help me. Mm. I already have the trauma. I'm Mm. fighting for my life in a different way now, Mm -hmm. trying to accept it and cope with it. Mm -hmm. But now you're here for me. And so some of the policy changes that have come with the Vanessa Gein case that I believe are promising and I hope the conversation continues is that there is a third party you report to now. Which is amazing. And also part of it. So not only did they have that person that was like the sexual harassment assault person you reported to. When you go on trial, I guess is the way to put it in the military, it's your command and their command that's handling it like on a few good men right yes. like to where you're like yes. wait this is so, weird that right. these are the people that are asking me these questions like it's weird right yeah and it's well they're a really good marine this is going to ruin their career it's the epitome of that sometimes not all the time sure but that's why women don't want to come forward mm-hmm. that's why you don't see justice you don't see things handled appropriately in the military that's why offenders are allowed to stay in and if you're a man who has experienced mst then there's you're laughed at you're, you're correct and they're like yeah right okay right yeah sure mm-hmm. yes and so and then also if you report um any type of assault or anything and they find them guilty instead of well, in severe cases, I'm sure they do push some people out of the military, but a lot of time the offenders do stay in, mm. found guilty or not. And then you have an option as the victim. There's a time window with it. I don't remember the details because it's been a few years. You have the option to leave your command and mm. be reassigned somewhere else. So you just went through this traumatic event, spoke up for yourself, probably re-traumatized yourself having to speak out against it. Now you can move your entire life because of this to another unit. Can't promise where it's going to be. Or you can stay here with your abuser. Mm. It's not them being moved. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. You have that option. Has that changed? I'm honestly not sure. Hmm. 
but that was so I think that's a lot of what's being looked into yep. with yep. the changes that are coming from Vanessa Guillen and her story. You have that third party reporting and now it's supposed to be a third party doing the investigation and everything else of the sort. So I think that they're moving in that direction because mm-hmm. that's also why a lot of people wouldn't report. Oh, absolutely. What's the, what's the point of absolutely dragging out my trauma? <laughs> Right. So that I have to move. Right. And of my course. reputation is you you scarred this, you scarred this great Marines record mm-hmm. and you're just the rest of your career is hell. So, you know, we've we've had people from um, sexual assault organizations on here, you know, like Safe Connections and um, the Missouri Coalition Against Domestic Use and sexual violence, I think is the name of it. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the relationship between sexual assault and substance use, right? And you're shaking your head. Yeah. And um, it's not an excuse, but oftentimes it's given as an excuse that, well, you know, we were, we were both under the influence there, you know, consent uh, you know she said yes and then she said no and then you know right. I mean uh, you know whatever and then uh but really what it comes down to is power and yes. I can imagine that intimate partner violence in the military has a whole extra weird nuanced layer of power because of the very nature of the profession right yes. and I have dated uh, in the past um, people who are in the military, and it's not been for me. Um, I'll just say that it's it's not for me um, because totally I'm fair. a I'm a pretty strong personality, and it doesn't totally fair. It's not for me. So I'm wondering if you could speak to kind of that intersection of substance use, power intimate partner violence and like how you've seen that and and of course you're speaking for you yes right yeah one thousand percent and I'm I'm yes um I mean very directly I was in a relationship early on into my career that I should not have been in he was a higher rank than me um and he regularly abused alcohol and mm-hmm. like but here's the thing at that time and in that mili- in the military you don't see it as abusing it's Correct. very very yes. normal average use it's a release it's, it's the that's yes, part of the, yes as, yes and i, I want to clarify that you're because you're supposed to right no they they give trainings on what's appropriate drinking right. and, and whatnot but yeah. it's so 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 socially acceptable there mm-hmm. And it's just the norm. We're Marines. We're known for drinking and being brawlers and Kinda, all this. Yeah, thing. going hard. You, and, you are. Yeah, and uh-huh. I mean, it's so accepted. So really, at that time, it was not a red flag of, oh, he has a drinking problem. It was so accepted and normal. It, it was, yeah, it was the norm. Um, and so I was in this, and that's where a lot of things went sideways for me. Mm-hmm. And it took me a very long time to feel like. I never felt like I had the power to go to my command, and I didn't. Um, but to just leave, flat out leave the situation in the end, because he was still part of my command. I was like, "How's this going to come back on me?" Right. And all these different variables. And but I saw a lot of people in power that 
would try to twist situations. You think it's going to be a camaraderie event. It's going to be all these Marines getting together and stuff. And again, at this point, I'm very much seeing this is the brotherhood I joined. I heard these stories. I know what it means to be a Marine amongst Marines. And then you, the next couple of weeks, hear these stories of how this person in power manipulated this person, but it didn't go their way. So now that person's getting burnt. And it, I can't, <laughs> it's absolutely wild. Like whenever I like to look back on it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And like I said, personally, I was like that trifecta was exactly, I've landed myself right in the middle of it very early on in my career because I was a young, vulnerable girl. I'll be honest. Yeah. And I was, again, I was a young Marine that was so happy to be here. And I found this guy that I thought was in love with me. Yeah. And I, now that I look back on it, he saw a very young Marine, a young woman that he knew that he could manipulate and control in that way and alcohol was an excuse for a lot of those things Mm -hmm. and and then it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy too right because then you're and I'm not saying this was what you did but then you're you're sort of numbing yourself that is a thousand percent what happened right with alcohol and you're numbing yourself before a social situation because you know yes. that's going to help you get through it. I wasn't even 21 when we started dating. Yeah. And I didn't drink before I was 21. I was a goody two-shoes up until... Because your dad was a that, Marine. Yes. <laughs> you're not wrong. I am a daddy's girl, but... Yeah. He's still... No, he's a very yeah. loud man. Mm-hmm. No. Um, <laughs> but after I was in that relationship and things were like happening and stuff and I learned how to cope, basically. I didn't know it at the time. And then I turned 21 and I'm dealing with a lot of unaddressed issues at yeah. this point. And I just started, I put it, I would have at least a bottle of wine a night. That was a normal, like some people have a glass of wine with dinner and it's small. That was my glass of wine was the entire bottle. Mm-hmm. I was stopping by the PX every single day to buy either a six pack of beer or a bottle of wine. And it was a joke amongst my Marines and stuff that I could drink and that, you know, I would get up at four o'clock the next day and go run and you could smell the rosé on me. (laughs) And it was it was just the norm for um, probably about four years after that. Mm -hmm. And it was just. Yeah, that was the norm. That was how I learned to cope. Yeah, that was like you kind of said you go into these social situations where I know now I understand them and what might trigger me and what how best deal with them exactly. and manage them. Whereas then I was like, well, we're going to go out. Let me just pregame and then I'll have more to drink there mm-hmm. and we'll be good mm-hmm. and I'll be lively and it'll be wonderful and I won't have any worries in the world. And it clearly it's not sustainable. And but it was again to look back on that and we have substance abuse staff and CEOs just like it's yes. a billet just like that mm-hmm. to see what I was doing at the rate I was doing it the fact that nobody said anything to me until about almost three months until I was about to get out is absolutely wild to me I was going so hard at such a fast pace it was yeah bound for destruction yeah and and now you looking back you can almost see it like oh you can see right like that it picks up momentum it starts to accelerate and you're like 
why did no one intervene? How was this so accepted? Right. But then also, like, you start to wonder, like, why did I not? But, I was, but then also, how could you? I was, and I, I can kind of understand it from, like, an outsider's point. I, that's when I was running the fastest, my fastest PF, my, like, fitness tests. I was doing... Whoa. And that's, I mean, that's being, honestly, that's being 22 years old. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still having to get up and PT, like work out every morning. I'm still going through these things. And again, being 22, mm-hmm. whole other. It's a whole different ball game mechanism than 32 than I am or 42. Right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I was doing, I was excelling at my job because I, I knew mm-hmm. how to be a good Marine. And so I would sit at my desk. I'd do these things. I was coming up in my platoon. I was picking up a rank. I was getting extra classes, getting recommended for these special things, putting on promotion boards, like all this stuff. So to them, there wasn't an issue. I was doing great. Mm-hmm. I was excelling at my Marine Corps career at this time. Like this was my yeah. prime time. Sure. And this is when I was considering making it my career and everything. Like I was in for the long haul. So the drinking on the side, it didn't affect them at all. Mm-hmm. So my friends that knew, again, it was the norm, but everyone else was just, well, she's, like, well, she's, she's an outstanding it, yeah. Marine right now. Mm-hmm. It can't be that bad. And just absolutely no idea of how bad it was. I mean, you are, I'm going to give you another compliment and I hope you accept it. I mean, you are very brave, right? Appreciate Not that. just for going into the Marines as, as going in the Marines, period, going to the Marines as a woman, period, you know, uh, lots of living through and navigating the things that you've gone through, period, serving our country, period. But you're also brave for being here today and talking about it. I mean, again, you volunteered to be on this and you've talked about therapy through the VA you have talked about your husband and the strong relationship that it sounds like you both have because you're working on your stuff together and separately, but also together. What else do you do to sort of cope and is speaking out about these things? Is that one of the things that you have found particularly helpful? For me, yes. I value so much when I can have real conversations like this with people you know with ad going back to his episode him talking about when he spoke to that vet and the vet was like just speak up whenever you can the thing is it you want to advocate for yourself when you go to the va that's what you have to do and that's that's what you got to do in the military and that's what you have to go to the va really any doctor you have to advocate for yourself and what you need and what that veteran said to ad really stuck with me he's like saying just keep talking about it because we can't always you want to advocate for your fellow veterans and for your fellow people to get the care that they need because you hear some horror stories with the VA and just vets not getting the care that they need and you want to advocate for them but sometimes you're so busy with your head down just trying to get your stuff Mm -hmm. sorted out that you can't advocate for everyone and that's completely understandable and reasonable um but that was what I thanked AD for, and I would kind of talked to him more about it. And so getting being able to cope, and also because I denied what happened to me to myself for so many years, getting to talk about it and validate it for myself out loud, and maybe someone hears this and they're like, 
I've been denying myself that validation that's going to be a part of my healing journey. If having that conversation or having this conversation gives that to someone, it absolutely helps me cope. Like, because that's all part of it. I had a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were, we had a concert. It was work stuff. And I just noticed they had like a non-alcoholic beer. Mm. And I was like, oh, hey, are those good? Because I did have since then of dressed I can't drink the way I used to. I don't need to drink the way I used to. And I was like, hey, are those any good? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like nice to have something to hold because then people don't ask you, like, why aren't you drinking? And for the most Mm -hmm. part, people in my life, people directly in my life understand it and they're great, but not everyone knows and you don't want to explain and you're you're at a concert, you don't want to yell that over things. I was like, hey, how is that? And we got to talking and again, I'm very open about it. I was like, oh yeah, no, I've I've had a drinking problem in the past and it's nice to have something like that. And they started to open up about it a little bit. And we ended up having this whole conversation. And I, oh, I'm always like, thanks for getting so real with me. I, mm-hmm. I value real conversations yeah. like this more than I anything. I small talk. I'd exactly. Much, I, I would much rather mm-hmm. have this real life conversation. I was like, I, I'm very, and I was like, and I also, I'll jump down this rabbit hole very, very easily. I'm sorry if it made you uncomfortable. And he's like, I don't. I don't have these conversations and this is very new to me so I can't tell you how much it means to me mm-hmm. and I have never had something like that before usually it's the same like oh yeah I talk about it all the time and I was like I didn't mean to do that to you just now I was like I'm sorry if this wasn't the right time I didn't mean to he's like no that meant a lot to me and I was like well if you ever need someone to talk to you about it like please grab me and like I'm, I'm there for you like i like I, I made it pretty people, clear, I'm, I'm very open to talking about it and just seeing that pay off. Yeah. I will always. I think people just crave human connection. Yes. Like that's what it is, you know? And people ask me like, oh, what do you believe in? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in, I believe in people. Right. And I believe in human connection. And, but you have to, you said something to me. You're like, yeah, if you open that door a little bit, I'm going to like kick it I'm open. Going. <laughs> and I, and I think that that's really important. It helps, it helps us heal. It helps other people heal. Um, it's just, it's incredibly important. And you mentioned, I want to make sure that we kind of end it here sort of is that you mentioned that you were at a concert and like you're in St. Louis now and you're, you have a pretty great job and you're able to talk about it and do these things. So tell everybody like, what are you, what do you do? What's, what's like making you tick now that you're out of the Marine Corps? Like, what are you doing these days? Really? I've just, so I, like I said, I got out of the Marine Corps in 2016 and it's been um, a little bit of a bumpy ride since then. I was in intelligence. I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out. I was like, well, I know I need to go to school and you know, they, give you training classes and stuff to like make sure you have an idea of which direction to go when you get out so you're not just blind. I was like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to focus on that. Then I got a part-time job and I was like, I really don't, I don't really want to do intelligence. Loved it. Don't want to work in a windowless building for the rest of my life. That's rough. I I don't know what I want to do. It would be the adult thing to do is to get a nine to five Get yes. my degree, get a nine to five in corporate America and very adult. Right. That's mm-hmm. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to get it. I called it my adult job. Mm-hmm. I was working retail while I was finishing school. Mm. And then I got my adult job as a billing analyst. Fun. And, yes. <laughs> and it just was not for me. It drained my soul. 
And Nothing against billing analysts, no, by the way, no, but, no. but it wasn't for you. It was not for me. Like and a, a relationship with a military person was right. not for me. Billing analysts, <laughs> not for you. Okay. Fair. And I kind of had a couple other bumpy moments and my husband was like, I want you to take the time to really think about what you want to do and what makes you How happy. How amazing is that? He, I love my husband dearly he has been an incredible influence this whole journey we started dating um about a year before i got out of the marine corps and he has been an incredible person amazing love all to hear parts that. of this shout out to um, the husband shout out to daniel i love you um, <laughs> <laughs> um and then i kind of realized 2022 live music was starting to come back yes thank didn't goodness. have so many concerts when i was stationed in hawaii because mm-hmm. that's a lot to do that to mm-hmm. fly out there with gear um we finally moved back here shows are coming back i grew up going to point fest and oh, stuff yes right and i was like you that know was what? my first concert ever oh my gosh yeah. mine was in sync which is very Ooh, exciting okay love it love it yep. <laughs> but i'm like i always i've always loved music wherever i've been whatever genre has been the you moment light up for when me. you talk about music. Yes. Yeah. And I've always loved it. I was like, I'm going to start looking at radio stations. I applied to music venues like Live Nation here. I was like, I'll do merch manager. I'll do whatever. You, and I just started shooting out resumes everywhere. And then actually my now co-worker here, Emily, reached out to me about a year ago. And I was like, hey, it's Emily with Hubbard. Uh, I'd love to interview for a street team. And I got hired on and working for all the stations and just something different every day. Absolutely adored it. And then the position I'm in now came um, available and I jumped right on it. And I just, you never know what's going to happen. Never. There Earlier this summer, we worked, I got to work with um, Point Fest, even mm-hmm. though I worked for Casey in the mm-hmm. Arch. I got to work with them and Liv Maddox, who's on air here also. She knew that I loved one of the bands she was interviewing and brought me into the interview. No And way. helped me build the interview. And then a couple months later, Brett Michaels was here. What? And he brings um, veterans on stage. <gasps> yes, he does concert. a ton with he vets. Does. Yes. And so I got my dad tickets to the concert and me and my dad got to go on stage with him and we have pictures Stop from it. Stop so, it. It's, you know, going back to like wanting to stay with my yes. dad during the anthem. Oh I my gosh! Take him. And he was like a kid. <laughs> he was like a kid backstage beforehand taking pictures and stuff. So I absolutely, it's been a journey. And I want to say that to maybe any veterans listening because that's something I struggled with also outside of everything else. We get this like picture perfect idea of what it means to transition they tell you success stories to like kind of hype you up which i understand yeah. of these people that go on to own small businesses and become ceos at these nine to fives and like just succeed succeed because we're marines and that's what we do right that's what you do yeah well i almost failed out of college and got fired twice before i found this place that i am genuinely happy and have found what it what my life is meant to be after the mm. marine corps and that's okay and yeah. i don't think that they tell military members transitioning enough like it's not always going to look that pretty and yeah, it's not always going to be a straight line no nope it was rough like i said almost failed college you um, know got fired twice it, but it's okay it may not look perfect and you might not go straight into that successful business model but you can get there you can get and there. there's a lot of resources to help you but you can get just there. find it and just keep going and you'll find it yeah, I could talk to you all day, but I think we're going to end it there that because this has just been, I used the word brave earlier. I, I just really am so 
thankful that you reached out and I'm grateful for your courage. I think that I I know I've learned a lot, but I think a lot of other people are going to be learning a lot about life in the military, but also what happens outside of it. And I appreciate you speaking up just like um, you're encouraging others to, to just keep talking. Really, really appreciate it. I, as a woman that was veteran, it's an honor to get to talk about these things mm-hmm. because, you know, Vanessa Guillen's case was so big because it seemed so outlandish, I think, to the public, whereas yeah. a lot of us, you know, there was the hashtag going around that I'm Vanessa Guillen. Mm. And a lot of us were like, if you would just talk to us about these things, you'd understand this isn't out, as outlandish as you think it is. So to get the opportunity to talk to you here on this platform, it means the world to me. It really does. You just need to keep talking. Keep connecting. Absolutely. If you like what you've heard, and I know you are going to like this because this was a really good one, um, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.